He's amused Cam Newton. Just ask that question one more time. <laughs> He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, what you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tario. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. I see, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. You are on a Friday drive where Duke basketball did it again. For the second game in a row, they trailed late, only to play like superheroes when it mattered most. And here they are in the Elite Eight. But last night was quintessential Coach K. If you thought at any point he was just a 75-year-old figurehead at this point, or that the games passed him by, or that he isn't quite as engaged as he used to be, last night should put all of that to rest. Because down seven in the second half with the season hanging in the balance, Coach K decided to do something that Duke's only done on 4% of their possessions this year. They went zone which he would not have done even five, six years ago. He would have gone down with the ship playing man-to-man, just like he did when he allowed damn near 90 points in Greenville, South Carolina, to South Carolina a few years ago. Or that time when they played Arizona, I think of the Sweet 16 about a decade back. But not last night. And that speaks to his adaptability, which is Kay's greatest trait as a coach. Without that trait, he would not have lasted 42 years at Duke. The way he recruited in the 80s was different than the way he recruited as a front runner in the 90s. And recruiting the one and done is a lot different than all of that. And stylistically, with the one and done, he's been unable to really put together a system that's ready-made for what the talent's going to be in a given year. So each season, he has to adapt a style to the personnel versus the other way around. And that comes along with being adaptable with the style of defense you play. Coach K, he never plays zone. But last night he did. And when he did, it worked. Duke went on a 9-1 to run to take the lead in the second half. That was such a key stretch in the game. And in the final three minutes, they went back to man-to-man. Even though I get after the game he said that. It was the players who went to him and said... We want to run man-to-man, Coach. That sounds like a great story, but I don't think Coach K in his final game is going to allow the 18- and 19-year-olds to dictate what the style of play on the floor is going to be with the season hanging in the balance. Coach K wanted to go back to -to man-to-man. That doesn't mean the players weren't game for it or that they didn't say what Coach K said they said in the huddle. Coach K was always going to go back to -to man-to-man. He did that. Just like he did in the ACC tournament when they were winning, not when they lost in the championship game to Virginia Tech. He was going to go down with his guns. He was going to go down running man. And it was so cool to see, and they got a rise in the crowd in San Francisco when with about two minutes left to go, everybody on the floor and everybody on the bench in unison slapped the floor. What a hat tip to the early teams of Coach K. The Steve Wojciechowski and all those all those guys way back when. When it counted most. When that happened, they got an air ball. They forced an air ball. They got a bucket on the other end. I get it. If you're listening to this right now and you're just thinking, Josh, yesterday you got it dead wrong. I don't know if I did. I picked Texas Tech to win the game. 
But it wasn't like Texas Tech wasn't deserving. Texas Tech. Think about how crazy the end of this game was for Duke. They hit every shot in the final nine minutes of the game. Every shot they attempted, they hit against the number one defense in America. And they fell behind 10 to 1 or 10 to 2. They were down seven in the second half. They had to run zone for 10 minutes or so. And yet they're still marching on. It was quintessential Coach K. This was K talking about the floor slap in particular and how that really is a connection to Duke teams of old. And then the slap on the floor, what what the hell? Yeah. Why not? Yeah, and and our guys want our guys really wanted that because it's kind of like uh, across the bridge to the brotherhood, you know, like they, they can now say they did that. Hopefully they can say that again, at least on Saturday. Tomorrow night, it's going to be Duke facing Arkansas. Crazy night last night in hoops. Arkansas over Gonzaga. Gonzaga, excuse me. You don't call them the Zogs. They're the Zags. <sighs> Never going to pick them again going to the Final Four. Every year, I think we learn our lessons with Gonzaga, year after year after year. Villanova took care of business against Michigan. And how about Houston? How about Kelvin Sampson getting the job done? Your thoughts welcome on Twitter at WSGS Sports. 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Robert Walsh, the producer of the show. We've got intern Luis in here. And we got NFL stuff to talk about. We'll get to the Tar Heels in just a little bit. But after a flurry of signings and free agency news in the last 10 days, Panthers GM Scott Fitterer met with the media. And going in, I didn't expect him to say much. We're a month away from the draft. And when he was asked specifically about prospects, he understandably kept his cards close to his vest. But When he spoke specifically about the Panthers' quarterback room, the guys who are on the roster right now and guys they might be going after broadly, not just in the draft, but also in free agency or via trade, I think he actually provided a fair amount of clarity on where things stand. Take Cam Newton, for example. After hearing fit today, I feel comfortable saying Cam isn't coming back next year unless he wants to be a backup. That's not exactly what he said, but it is what he said. You be the judge. Matt's talked to Cam. So I've reached out a couple times. Uh, Matt talked to him. You know, the thing with Cam, it's got to be a fit for us, and it's got to be a fit for him just as well. I mean, he's looking for a certain uh, opportunity, and, um, you know, the, the door is still open for us. We're, we're very open to Cam. We'll see where it goes. He knows where we stand. I think he and Matt had a really good conversation, from my understanding. Yeah, Robert, he wants a certain role. And, you know, we have a certain idea for what we want from Cam Newton, and he just has to sign off on that. That's all it is here. Of course, the door's open for Cam Newton to come back. Uh, it's pretty apparent that he's not coming back. Uh, yeah, I haven't talked to him. Matt talked to him. I haven't talked to him. I tried to call him, but uh, he won't talk to me. Yeah, he won't And I'm pick the general up. manager. I'm the guy who signs the contracts and whatnot. After Matt told him he was going to be a backup if he wanted to come back, he hasn't returned my calls. It's kind of surprising. They're going to go after another quarterback, though. The question is, is that going to be in the draft? Or is it going to be via trade? Or is it going to be in free agency? Just because they didn't get Deshaun, who, by the way, had a press conference earlier today, didn't go great if you look at how he answered the question on 
40 seems like a lot of massage therapists. Seems like a lot of, you know, 40 seems like a lot of masseuses. And he's like, yeah, you just don't understand with Instagram. And, and I was there for five years. Maybe we could get to that later. Or maybe not. It's Friday. We're trying to have a good time around here. But uh, it's likely they're going to add another quarterback. This is Fitterer when asked about the importance of upgrading that position. Quarterbacks are hard to find, and sometimes you have to swing to and take a shot at these guys. And if you miss, you can't you know, stop swinging. You have to take a shot again. And uh, it's the most important position on the field. So there's a lot of ways we can go. Quarterback is definitely one of them, and we do like these guys. That sounds like to me he's justifying means of tr taking a quarterback number six if they want to. you got to take some swings, maybe even reach a little bit. That's what you need to do. If I'm Sam Darnold listening to this, I'm thinking, well, well I don't think I'm going to be the guy if this is how aggressive they're going to be publicly and also behind the scenes. It kind of felt to me like he was covering his butt if they don't take a quarterback too. You know, like, well, if we whether it's one of these uh, cornerstone left tackles or pass rushers. So you're saying there's a chance you don't take a quarterback there. Yeah. He's just really leaving it open for, we're going to take whoever the hell we think is the best player at but six. If you needed more proof, of how down they are on Sam Darnold, here's Scott Fitterer saying he didn't even tell Sam that they were pursuing Deshaun. No, we, we haven't talked to Sam since then. I know he's been in the building. I know Ben's met with him and Matt's met with him. Uh, I didn't call him. Um, you know, this, this is just part of being a pro and part of uh, part of the process. And, you know, Sam, Sam would be the first to tell you he needs to, um, you know, play good quality football, and that's what we're going to do with him. We're going to get him to that level. Uh huh. They called Cam. <laughs> he called Cam. He said, I, he hasn't returned my calls. He's uh -huh. called him multiple times, yeah. but you can't call Sam. He's in the building. Uh -huh. He's in the building, but you can't talk to him. They don't give a darn about this yeah. guy. So the reason you let Matt Ryan know is because you're worried about what Matt Ryan thinks. When the Browns didn't let Baker Mayfield know, they were going to deal with the consequences if Baker were to be upset. You don't do this if you're worried that you there's the potential of a Baker-like blow-up if Sam Darnold were to find out. The Panthers are probably thinking, please get mad like Baker Mayfield. I'd love for you to put out the same statement that Baker put out and see the reaction, Sam Darnold. Yeah, get mad. Oh, man, I want to trade. Dude, we're trying. I'm going to demand a trade. Okay, please. Can you help us? You know, take a phone, make some calls, sell this pin back to me. Come on, Sam. You can do it. <laughs> I do think he added some clarity there. I really do. Ian O'Connor, Coach K biographer from the New York Post, one of the best sports writers out there, going to join us from San Francisco. I have a pain in my ear. And what is causing it? The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Spend all your time waiting. So you think they're going to let this opportunity slip away? You think Duke's going to come in more engaged, playing with the chip on its shoulder more than Texas Tech? 
No chance. Here's Bryson Williams. Oh, what a block. And Carroll. Right back. Oh, with wow. a three of his own. They know Texas Tech is built perfectly to knock off this Duke team. Freshman at the line. Got them both. They hit the big free throws in the last minute. Give me Texas Tech. They are the perfect team to end Coach K's career. Go for the two. You missed the three. It's over. Here's McCuller. Arms. He already hit one. Here's another one. It's way off. And Carroll with the rebound. Texas Tech led most of the way, but will come up short. And you can cancel those early retirement plans for Coach K as the Blue Devils are headed to the regional final. Needless to say, I was surprised by what happened last night. Thanks for that, Robert. I wonder if our next guest was as surprised as I was. Ian O'Connor joining us from San Francisco now, author of the book that I just received a copy of, Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski, that we were talking about quite a bit a few weeks ago with those excerpts and great reporting that Ian did on the story. What was more surprising to watch in real time being in the building, Ian, and the time's always appreciated, Coach K running zone to save his season or Duke hitting literally every shot it attempted in the final nine minutes against the best defense in the country? Good question, Josh. (laughs) I was actually just as surprised that they beat Michigan State down five with five minutes left as anything, really, to be honest with you. I felt like that game – I, I hadn't seen that competitive heart from Duke during the regular season in those tense end game moments for the most part. And I, that's a, that's a mediocre Tom Izzo team by his standards, by that program standards, but still it's a tough physical team. And I, I just didn't think Duke would overcome that. And, and they did. And I, and I think there was a breakthrough there. Uh, so I'm not surprised that they found a way to, to, to win last night. But I think uh, Mike going the zone, though he is known as one of the great adapters ever, when you look at the way he adapted to the one-and-done era of college basketball, I think, and I asked him this after the game, did did you ever think you would coach long enough to have a group of players try to convince you, lobby you to switch from man or from zone back to man? (laughs) And uh, so I I think going to zone was – was a bit of a uh, of a shocker, I guess, just given his history as a defensive coach and a man-to-man specialist coming from the Bob Knight school of of playing defense. And Bancaro to me, and and Bancaro has become the player that people have talked about all season as far as being a top two or three NBA draft choice in this tournament. And Jeremy Roach has become a star. And I didn't see that player from for most of the regular season, so. They're getting better, they're getting tougher, and they certainly right now have as good a chance as anyone to win the national title. You mentioned Bob Knight there a second ago, and it reminded me, I don't know if you had this thought, but I know a few people and a few coaches I know had this thought. When Texas Tech came out in those Bob Knight-era uniforms, did you have a thought that maybe they were doing so, maybe to poke at Coach K? Uh, I didn't think that. Uh, it'd be interesting to ask. I, I, my suspicion is it, it had uh, nothing to do with it, but <laughs> I think that uh, Mike is so beyond uh, Bob Knight at this point. I think the the stuff I had in the book about the end of their relationship, frankly, from what I understand, didn't really bother him that much. He was more upset, I think, about the, the Amaker, John Shire thing. And, and uh, so even if that were the case, and I don't think it was, my suspicion is it really wouldn't have any impact on Mike at this point. Ian O'Connor with us here, and the book's called Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Mike Krzyzewski. Ian's one of the best sports writers out there. 
according to Mike Krzyzewski, after those excerpts came out. Uh, what's been your favorite piece of feedback that you've gotten since the book came out? Well, I have to thank you for asking that question that produced sure. that answer, Josh. Sure. So just fairness that uh, the Duke officials that have approached me, some close to Mike Krzyzewski that have worked at the school for, for a number of years, said that they thought I was very fair and transparent in the process. Uh, they obviously don't love every paragraph in the book, but that they very much appreciated that I didn't do anything I said I, I wasn't going to do. I, I, I told them up front all the negatives and perceived negatives that would be in the book, gave them a chance to comment on it, try to correct the record if it needed correcting, on or, on or off the record. And so there were no surprises. I mean, Duke knew exactly what was going to be in that book, book, and Mike did as well. And so I think at the, at the least they they appreciated how transparent I was. They expressed that to me. My understanding is that although I haven't talked directly to Coach K about the book, and he has said he hasn't read it, but family members have told him it was fair, and so I think he's taken that approach with with me and. He may feel differently after he finally reads it in the offseason. Who knows? But so far, the reaction that has meant the most to me is just fairness. That's what I always shoot for, and that's what uh, Duke has relayed to me. I was thinking about you uh, after last night, watching the way that finished up and hearing you ask that question in the postgame because, you know, you write this book, it's really good, and Coach K speaking after Michigan State and after last night talking about, wow, what a moment these last two moments have been, and how lucky he is in his final year and at 75 years old to be experiencing this. It almost had me thinking that there might need to be an addendum to this book that you're writing, the one that uh, you just put out on Coach K. And we've seen some special stories, Ian, in this tournament. 83 NC State comes to mind. Al McGuire, he went out on top in his final year when we knew he was going to retire. North Carolina in 17, a year after losing at the buzzer. Virginia, a year after losing to a 16 seed winning a title. So this tournament always seems to deliver, but what might Coach K, in a hypothetical, winning the title this year, where might that fall in terms of the stories that you've covered and seen in March Madness? Wow, that's a good question. And I wasn't there for John Wooden's last game. Of course, he won his 10th national yes. title. In, in, in 75, so it would be that kind of ending to an iconic career. I think, I think if Krzyzewski wins a national championship, just given the, the media environment today that, that, that we have, it, it might be the biggest story ever in college basketball, really. And it was unlikely. I know the Duke was not a favorite and entered having that really, really disappointing loss to North Carolina and the Cameron farewell, and then losing to Virginia Tech and Brooklyn in the ACC final. I, I think that most people would not have been surprised if they got upset in the first round at Cal State Fullerton or at least lost to Michigan State in the second round. If they somehow got their act together and played at a much higher level than people expected and won the, the damn thing for Coach K, <laughs> I, I think I really I think it, you could argue it, it would be the biggest story ever in this sport. And and so, and what if uh, I guess he has a chance to meet North Carolina oh, in New Orleans? That, oh my that, that would be something, huh? Yeah. yeah. I, see, part so. of me hopes that doesn't happen, and it's not from the perspective. I get it from the fans' perspective, where it's it's Duke fans and Carolina fans worried that you have an ultimate trump card moving forward in the rivalry that is really hard to overcome. But I look at it as my fear, at least, as somebody who was in the building for Coach K's final home game against Carolina 
it was that entire week was about Coach K. It wasn't about the rivalry. It almost didn't seem like North Carolina mattered in that spot. And my fear is with something that historical, Carolina facing Duke for the first time in an NCAA tournament game, and that being in the Final Four, that it would become about Coach K again. And I think that happenstance, if those two teams were to meet, it deserves a lot more than being about one thing, which is what I think it would become, don't you think? Yeah, I agree with you on that. And it, it, I I have this in the book. In 1991, when there was a chance they would meet for the national championship, a lot of people on both sides did not want that to happen. Roy Williams made sure it didn't. Exactly, right. And so uh, there's a scene in the book when Kansas wins that uh, game against North Carolina. Of course, Duke is about to face the indomitable, at least we thought, UNLV team in the second semi. When Coach K comes out of a side room and, and he gets – uh, in front of his players, and he said, this is not an excuse now for you guys to lose because Carolina's out. And it, don't think this takes the pressure off you to win this game because it doesn't. We're here to win the national championship no matter who won that first game. So he was moved to grab his players in that moment. Don't feel any sense of a burden relieved because Carolina just lost. And he grabbed them, and you know maybe that had something to do with why they did win that night and won the national championship. But nobody in 91 wanted any part of Duke Carolina because the loser would have been absolutely devastated and would have had to live with it next door. It's not like the Yankees losing in 2004 to the Red Sox in an historic fashion as bad as that was. And I was there for that series, but they, you don't live a few miles away from the Red Sox. If you're a Yankees fan and, and yet in, in Carolina, of course, with, uh, with Duke and, and the Tar Heels, they're neighbors, and, and they're right next door to each other, so you're going to live with it every day for the rest of your life. So I, I think that uh, there, there probably would be similar feelings here in the hope that that does not happen. Follow him, follow him on Twitter at Ian O'Connor, Ian underscore O'Connor, excuse me. The book's called Coach K, The Rise and Reign of Coach K. It's something I'm really looking forward to thumbing through. Appreciate the time, and hopefully you still have a – quite a bit on this journey to go, maybe to New Orleans, uh, where this thing's going to end up. Appreciate the time, Ian. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, John. You got it. That's Ian O'Connor joining us from the New York Post and one of the best sports writers out there. And now, The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. More excited just to be here. I've never made it this far. This is a new experience for me, and I'm just going to enjoy it. How's Brady Manick? And even though I've been in college for years and been to the tournament in Oklahoma, never have I played in the Sweet 16. And here he is tonight, getting set for UCLA. Nobody on North Carolina has advanced further than the Sweet 16. Leaky Black, the only guy before this year on the roster to win an NCAA tournament game. He made it to the Sweet 16 when they got blasted by Auburn that year. That was the 2019 season with Cam Johnson and company. So Leakey's looking to advance further than that. Duke, meanwhile, Joey Baker's the only guy left from the Zion team in 2019 that made it to the Elite Eight. Theo John never made it that far with Marquette. So this really is uncharted waters, Duke and North Carolina maneuvering through. And there's a chance you might have the ultimate uncharted waters, a matchup in the Final Four. I don't think that's likely because I think Duke will get there. I think Duke's going to beat Arkansas. 
but I, North Carolina, I like them to win tonight. I don't feel that confident about it. If they get past tonight, I, I don't think they're going to beat the team that I have winning the national title, Purdue, who already beat North Carolina earlier this year. So it could happen. I don't think it will, but we're approaching uncharted waters there. Let's go to Mark in Greensboro, who apparently has a bet that he wants to throw my way before we get to Greg Barnes. Mark, what's your bet? Okay. Do you know that today is National Peacock Day? Did you know that? I did not. Okay. Because it's National Peacock Day in St. Peter's, your team that you just said Purdue is a lock, and you're probably right. It's a, it would be ridiculous if St. Peter's won. So if St. Peter's wins on National Peacock Day, that's their mascot, I'm going to bring you a peacock costume that you have to wear in studio for an entire show. Deal. That's done. Deal? That's done. Easy. All right. 100%. That is done. You're in Greensboro. You should be hanging out. You should be hanging out tonight with Luis and folks from the show and BDOT tonight. Late night, Mark in Greensboro. We hope to see you later. Where are you going to be? We're going to be... Where are we going to be? House Divided... Uh, for the Carolina games tonight. That's where BDOT is having a watch party and company. We want to support our guy. So that's that's where I, I will you. be tonight. If anybody else wants to be there too, you know what? If somebody other than Mark here comes up to me and makes a peacock sound, I'll buy them a drink. <laughs> Robert, what is a what does a peacock sound sound like for those who don't know? <laughs> so if somebody comes up to me and does that, I will buy you a drink tonight at uh, wherever this establishment is. Uh, house divided in Greensboro. Perfect. There you go. All right. I- I'll take that suit, Mark, in Greensboro. There you go. There's a bet. Go, Purdue. Boiler up. Boiler up. What are you laughing at, Luis? It's so funny. I'm a Peacock fan. What can I- ah! Ah! Yeah, well... I'm you, you're disqualified. You you're disqualified from this. Why? The people that are on the show and Mark, they're disqualified. It's it's people that are listening that I can't see or I'm not talking specifically to right now. If they come up to me and make a sound like this, Robert, <coughs> then those are the people that are going to get the award. I can never do it as good as Robert, though. No, I don't think any of us can. That's why I queue it up. Speaking of something else we need queued up, it's Friday. We're wanting to feel good. So it's time for weekly positivity. If you must lie, Robert, lie in the arms of the one that you love. And if you must steal, steal away from bad company. If you must cheat, cheat death. And if you must drink, drink in the moments that take your breath away. 336-777-1600. Give us a call and tell us something good. It can be sports-related. It might not be sports-related. Just something good. Jeremy in Burlington is going to get us started. Jeremy, hi. Hey, Josh. Hey, Jeremy. Tell me something good. So I just found out today um, 
my father passed away a couple of years ago and my mom you know she didn't doing really well with that and she's been dating this guy really nice guy she called me right before lunch and she was proposed to today and they're gonna be getting married wow that's so exciting how excited are you for your mom i'm very excited i'm very excited how are we celebrating uh, well, I'm actually going to volunteer at the uh, NCAA tournament um, at the Greensboro Coliseum. I'm headed there right now. Wow, okay. Well, see, then I, this is how I know you're a really nice guy. Number one, you listen to the show, and everybody that listens to the show, nice people, I'm sure. But also, the folks that work at the Greensboro Coliseum, if anyone's ever been to the Coliseum, as I know many have for the tournament, the folks who work there and volunteer are all awesome people. So thank you so much, and thanks for sharing on Weekly Positivity. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. What a great story that is. Robert, tell me something good. I've got a big barbecue at my uncle's tomorrow. It's not really me, but I'm going to a barbecue. He's from Texas and loves smoking meats, so we're going to have some brisket. Uh, They always do incredible sides. It's probably my favorite thing about the South is any barbecue you go to. Nobody, at least the people that are going to go to this barbecue, Go to Lowe's and buy potato salad and then dump it in another container and then show up at the barbecue like, hey, I made this potato salad that's pretty average. Nobody does that. That's the best part. So I cannot wait to go and eat pea salad and and every other excruciatingly southern delicacy that's going to be there. You're maybe the only southerner I know, Robert, that says, refers to it as a barbecue rather than like a cookout or a pig picking. That's usually a thing that transplants to, like, Luis that will say, oh, you guys have, you guys barbecuing? And it just means, like, burgers and hot dogs and, like, having, you know, kind of what you're describing there. Well, he's cooking it on, like, a smoked barbecue. So, like, it is a barbecue. I just never hear people from the South. I'm not saying you're wrong. Nobody's right or wrong here. We're all having good vibes here on Weekly Positivity. It's just, I don't think I ever use barbecue as like a noun like we're we're going like a place or an event like we're going to a barbecue or that is on a barbecue well he's from texas that makes more sense and like a texas barbecue is brisket so like yes. that's that's why it's being described as that makes sense i'll tell you something good so we're going i'm gonna go out to wake football practice tomorrow i haven't had a chance to watch anything football related in person in a while so I'll get to see Dave Clawson's guys. It's not very good that I saw that Zion Keith has entered the transfer portal in the last hour, but there's that and BDOT's thing tonight. Really excited about all that. That's all very good. Luis, intern Luis, tell me something good as well. Today, I was able to be Vanna White, and I was able to show my professional spinning skills. Yeah, you on want the to, wheel to win. You want to spin the wheel one more time for us? Yeah, I'll for do people it for that didn't catch it? In, uh... Oh, that's such a great sound. Vanna White. That's a really nice sound. Yeah. Willie Nelson ticket. Did you learn who Vanna White was today? Yes, I did. I'm glad you were honest about that. because I thought about lying, but I, it's a you good know, time to tell the right. truth. You know, just telling the truth. That's, that's good. Yeah, like, you know... There are a lot of people who are young who look up, or people who are old who, when they were younger, would look up pictures of Vanna White, I'm sure. That just got creepy really fast. Sorry about that. Uh, What else do we have real quick? We've got 
the Oscars this weekend, I'm going to find out a way to watch Coda, even though I don't have Apple TV, which means I'm not able to watch Ted Lasso. Please stop asking if I've seen Ted Lasso. Uh, but you I guys should just not win. ask Josh if he's seen any television show. I watched another episode of Buffy. That's really? good. I did. Yeah, what happened in it? I mean... Yeah, she just, you know, fought some vampires and, uh, yeah, they couldn't be outside in the light, you know? It was Tuesday. Tuesday night I watched it. I'm trying to remember what happened because I don't have The Bachelor anymore. You so. might as well just not watch it. We're like three months removed from the end of this bet. Like, I don't even care if you watch Buffy anymore. And that's good. And that's been Weekly Positivity. Just got this text from our boss, Robert. I don't know if he wants me to share this text, but I'm going to share it anyway. Weekly positivity is bleeping awesome. Couldn't agree more, boss. Telling you. If you if you run a business, you could put your name on this segment right here. I'm cool with that. That's what we need. Robert, hit me with the music one more time. Real quick. I have one more thing to add to Weekly Positivity. Yeah, you can't do this. I literally delete it. As oh, God! I, ha- I, had some- I had one more good thing that I wanted to throw in there before we get to Greg Barnes of Inside oh, Carolina. Just hold on. <laughs> just one more really good thing. All the way back it, it was going to be quick. And I'm sorry that you just uh, throw it like virtually or digitally into the dustpan right when you're finished. Some random Will Smith quote. That's good. If by the next time we do this segment a week from now, there's a sponsor on this segment, that would be good. And that's been Weekly Positivity. Okay, thank you. Nobody covers Carolina better than Greg Barnes does and has as much behind-the-scenes info as he does. One of the best reporters we have in our state. Greg is going to join us for a live report from Philadelphia next on The Drive. Although his mind is still as sharp as ever, he occasionally has trouble seeing small print and needs the assistance of a handheld ferret to read letters. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Newsbreakers, Robert. They're good. Ian Rappaport just tweeted out, the Chiefs are signing former Panthers linebacker Jermaine Carter, who was on a visit to KC. Former fifth-round pick, spent his entire career with the Panthers. And Jermaine Carter quote-tweeted that in the last few minutes and said, damn, that was fast as hell. He was sitting in the room when I signed LMAO. Newsbreakers be good like that, just like our next guest. Greg Barnes, who once upon a time was, you know, breaking news that Larry Fedora was going to be fired. And then two days later, he broke the news that Mac Brown was going to be the next head coach. And he was very plugged in as well about a year ago today when Roy Williams decided to step by and some guy named Hubert Davis took over and has his team in the Sweet 16 getting set for UCLA tonight. Greg Barnes joins us now from Philadelphia. And Greg, you and I caught up before the season started. And we were in agreement that the Sweet 16, if we were looking at that as being an expectation for Carolina, that might be too far of a leap. 
and a month and 10 days ago when they lost to Pittsburgh, I think that was only affirmed. What has impressed you the most about how Hubert's put the pieces together, the job that he's done here in year one? Well, the main thing is that he's finally got those guys to buy into what he's asked them to do. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with, with the toughness aspect. You know, there were a bunch of games early in the year, whether it be Tennessee or Kentucky or Miami or Wake Forest or even the first game against Duke, where his team got smacked in the mouth and you know, kind of stumbled and never recovered. And ever since that Pittsburgh loss, which was, that game was kind of the same way, uh, his message finally got through that, look, guys, you're going to have to fight. There's going to be adversity. We know we have talent, but do you have heart? And uh, we, we can talk about the offensive part of it because they've been really good offensively. But since that Pittsburgh loss, they have been top ten in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, and that's just phenomenal from where they were early in the season. Greg Barnes with us here. Do you think – do you have a theory of why R.J. Davis's performance has improved so dramatically over the last month? Well, I think it's number one, it's, it's a matter of him being confident in what he's supposed to be doing. But two, I, I think early in the year, uh, it was really roll the ball out, and whoever has it, whether it's R.J. or Caleb Love, you're going to be the point guard on this possession. And really what we've seen over the last month, the two months of the season – is R.J. is undoubtedly the point guard of this team. And his ability to kind of facilitate the offense uh, and, and get to the rim and create for his teammates, I, I think he understands what his role is, and that, that's one of the reasons that he's playing so well right now. Are you expecting a pro-Carolina crowd in Philly tonight? You're walking around the city, I'm sure, visiting different spots. How many Carolina fans are you seeing? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of lot of Villanova fans, obviously, just just in the area. Uh, yeah. I don't expect there to be that many uh, at, at the game tonight for obvious reasons. But St. Pete, uh, they're about the only one that have a lot of people in the area. Uh, and so, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of North Carolina fans. Uh, we know Carolina fans are upset that they did not get the opportunity uh, to come and watch the open practice yesterday. NCAA changed their policy. Used to be. You had a full open practice to the to the fans. Uh, that was just a 15-minute period open to us as media. And so I think just hearing some things online and, and seeing fans mill about, I think Carolina, it won't be like a decided advantage, but I certainly think there will be more North Carolina fans in the building than certainly UCLA. So originally this game was supposed to tip approximately around 940. That's been shifted slightly for whatever it's worth. Of course, it's going to be dependent on the first game as a 9.30 tip. So I'll put it to you, the journalist, Greg Barnes. I'm going to put the over-under at 9.47. Does the game tip off before or after 9.47 tonight? I think the odds are heavily on the over. Um, if this tips <laughs> off before 10, I'll be impressed. Uh how does Jacquez's injury affect the way you think about this game? You know, that's a good question. And I think Jacquez, what he's done so well this year is he's very crafty. He's not you know, a great athlete, but he's very heady, and he understands how to score points down low. I think he's pretty much a natural matchup for, for Brady Manick. 
Um, I think he'll still be able to score his points. The issue is going to be, you know, can Brady, with him coming off all those screens, can Hawkins keep up with him? And then the other component is, uh, if North Carolina is able to get out in transition, which will be difficult, how does he hold up having to run up and down the court? Uh, but I think offensively he will be fine in some of the other areas where that may affect uh, Hawkins and, and UCLA. I want to ask you this just because you know a lot of the inner workings, how things work. Uh, Dawson Garcia, I was thinking about him earlier today because there's a chance that if Carolina wins and Purdue wins, and Purdue's in all likelihood going to win facing St. Peter's, the 15 seed, Carolina's going to match up with Purdue for the first time since that matchup early in the season. And Dawson Garcia had 26 in that game. So obviously so much has changed between then and now. Uh, Dawson's officially still on the roster even though he's been away from the team there was that awkward exchange a week ago when players were asked about him and they kind of laughed and didn't really give an answer to it what exactly is going on there based on the things that you know well yeah I don't think I don't expect Dawson to return to Chapel Hill um you know that's that's just kind of speculation on my part sure but just seeing how this thing is kind of worked out um you know i I know he came into the season with a lot of expectations of of, you know competing for all acc team and really setting himself up for the nba uh and you you got the the family dynamic which is which is serious business Mm -hmm. you got the fact that other than that purdue game which we thought was going to be the springboard for him he didn't really play as well as we thought he would i think there was some disappointment on his part there uh so i just don't think it was a fit for him um, maybe he surprises me. Maybe he comes back to North Carolina next year. Uh, but that's not something that I'm expecting. Greg Barnes, enjoy the action tonight. We'll be enjoying your work. Thank you so much for making the time. Go ahead and take a nap, Josh. You're going to need it. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Thank you so much. That's Greg Barnes.